One youth that. Good job. Jeez, that's, that's a good number. That was a good, good job, one youth. Um, so another thing is then our senior pastors, Pastor Rob and Pauline, are up at One Heart Ellison. We've got another location that runs on the first Sunday of the month in Elliston. And so they're there for celebrating its second year birthday. So that's um, pretty cool for two years of One Heart Elliston. Um, uh, and so uh, silver and gold I do not have. I've got no silver and gold. I'm pretty empty. But what I do have is a word of the Lord. And I do have a message from God, and I believe that God wants to speak to us this morning. And just quickly before I go into that, I will say this. If you're new or um, new one heart, um, we're so glad you're here. Uh, we hope you enjoy the service. Enjoy, and uh, we hope God speaks to you just like he'll speak to the rest of us. And Holy Spirit's here. He was here in the worship, and I just think um, God is ready to do something cool in our lives. So if you've got your Bible, which we're going to go straight into it, Ephesians 4, 1 to 7. Ephesians 4, 1 to 7. And we'll, I'll read it. And uh, we'll see how it goes. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Nudge your neighbor and say, you have been called by God. Verse 2. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Say peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, um, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he's given each of you of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Now, for those of us who have been to One Heart before, that's like the Bible verse that our church has cultural and is built upon. And, so it's, and we're going to be talking about some of the stuff from there. Then if you go to Colossians 3, uh, verse 12 to 15, it's similar. And I'm just going to read that because it's going to be what we launch off of. So verse 12, since God chose you, nudge your neighbor and say, God has chosen you. So God, since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe, clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Here we go. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone, not someone, not a random, anyone, everyone pretty much, who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Verse 14, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace, say peace, peace. that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace, say peace, peace. and always be thankful. I'm just going to pray again and we'll get into it. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're with us right now. We just pray that we open up our hearts, our minds, so that we can connect to you fully in a fresh way. And we just thank you that you're going to speak to us and we're going to leave this place in a new, a new way. We're going to leave this place better than ever before. And we all said, Amen. So just two things from there that we uh, will make the connection with was in Ephesians 4.2. It said, Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Then in Colossians 3.13, it said, Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And you must forgive them because God's forgiven us. We agree with that? And so uh, the, what we're going to be uh, talking about today is unoffendable. So I want you to t- uh, tell three people around you, unoffendable. Unoffendable. <laughs> unoffendable. <laughs> Unoffendable. So if you're taking notes, write that down in the title, Unoffendable. 
And so 2016 for One Heart Church is a year to grow. We'd agree with that, is a year to grow. And so to, uh, I've just got a bit of an analogy for us. So back in the good old days, and so uh, I know I'm, I'm prime in my, in my age, but back in the good old days, my mum my my had a friend, right? And so I used to live in Mount Barker in Adelaide Hills, and my mum had a friend there, which is cool. She still has that friend. They're still alive. But at, and so because my mum had this friend, uh, would often go to their house to hang out, whatever. And, and so she had this door frame. But it wasn't just, a, I believe it or not, a house had a door frame. But it wasn't just a, your ordinary door frame. It was a measuring device. And so what would happen is, I'll, can everyone see me? Yeah, I'm just going to go here. And so let's just say this is a door frame. Or we'll go here so you can see me. So we go to the door frame and she'd get a pencil and she'd mark your height and write Josh. And she might write the date. And then it'd be cool because then, then six months' time, you'd go back to the, to the special door frame and measure your height again. And you'd be like, yes, two centimetres growth. And you're like, I'm on top of the world. I'm growing. Then your sister's growing four centimetres. You're like, oh, no bragging right today. But it'd be beautiful when it's like your sisters haven't grown at all and you've grown like four centimetres and you're like, champion. But, uh, but that measuring door, fr- door frame device thingy, it was, it was a great way to measure our, spiritual, uh, our physical height and see, and it had a mark to it, okay, this is how we've grown. And I believe offence or unoffendableness is a huge key to measure our spiritual growth. And it's a great marker to go, okay, where am I growing spiritually? And so that's why we're going to be talking about unoffendable today, to see where, where how we, and how have we grown from the last measure. Does that make sense? Are we cool for that? And so... Uh, uh, things that can offend us. I'm going to talk about a few things so, so we, we're on the same page of what an offence is. <laughs> so, uh, offences. So, um, one thing that I found super offensive is when Baker's Delight stopped making cinnamon scrolls. That is horrible. Like, why would you do that? Like, I boycott Baker's Delight now because it's like, what, it's offensive. Have you seen the movie Die of a Wimpy Kid? If you haven't watched it, I encourage you to watch it. It's clean, it is so funny, and do yourself a favour and laugh. But um, there's, I can't remember which one it is because there's three of them. But there's this, there's the main character's Greg and he's got a friend Rowley. And so they go on to this ride called the Cranium Shaker. And so for, the, for us that are um, spoiler alert, but I'm going to wreck it for you. But they're at like a kind of, what we say it's a show or a, or like say Tuna Rama and there's a big scary ride and, it, and he's like Greg's brother tells him, oh no, it's horrible, people have died and all this stuff. And so they're freaking out. So they, and they weren't allowed to go on it. They were told not to go on the cranium shaker. But they go on it and they're, they're going up and it's just about to be released and they're freaking out and they're thinking, it's confession time, we're going to die. We'll confess our hidden sins or whatever. And so Rowley goes, there's one time I went to the bathroom when I didn't wash my hands. And he's like devastated. He's like, I can't believe I, was, I was went so low by not washing my hands. Then Greg, this is what's offensive. He goes, there was one time I used your toothbrush to clean dog poo off the bottom of my shoe. Now that, that is offensive. Who would agree? That is absolutely offensive. Um, and then my third one is a huge offense, I believe, is when someone says they call a sausage chisel, a, bar- no, a barbecue or sausage chisel. So when it's like, say, let's go have a barbecue, and it's a sausage chisel. It's like, barbecue's meat. Sausages are not meat. And so um, I, and I, when, when, any, when someone says to me, oh, let's have a barbecue, and it's a sausage chisel, they're fighting words, and that's horrible. But um, So we, we know what offences are. Offences are things that are what offend us, obviously, or offensive. Um, but then to continue on, last week, Pastor Pauline preached on growing in community. 
spoil with that. And then she got me to share because I'm doing Bible college and something that I learned. Well, finished Bible college. How cool is that Bible college, guys? We're finished. She got me to share um, briefly on a thing that we learned about created for community and how we create for community. And so for those of us that might have forgotten or weren't here, I will... Uh, I'll reiterate. So in Genesis 2.26, it says this. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And so we saw there that God is using, talking about himself as us and our. And it's like, what, what's with this? And so, um, and so the church God is a community. Other religions say they have the same God as a church, but theirs ain't the Holy Trinity. And for example, so our, our God is a community. So we've got God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. We're going to go old school, God the Holy Ghost. Um, and so uh, our God is a community in himself. And so if we're made in the image of God, we've got to be in community. Uh, and, so, uh, and so then, because then in Genesis 2.18, Adam was on earth by himself as one human. And this is what God says. Then God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper who is just right for him. And so we, if we'd use a gender inclusive language, it's not good for humanity to be alone because the only way we can best reflect God is in community of other people. I can't reflect God by myself. Um, and so the church globally is an eternal principle from the start because God says the only way they can best represent, like people can be in our image, is in the church with other people together. And so I can't reflect God by myself. I can only reflect God when I'm in the church and I'm with people. Um, so you, you're cool for that? And so I, yeah, I best reflect God when I'm in community. And so if you're taking notes, write that down. I, um, I'm created for community. Now, who was here at church when Pastor Kylie preached on the biggest lie? And so it wasn't just like, say, the biggest lie ever. It was more like the biggest Christian lie, the biggest lie in church. And so what, that, what she talked about was Christians are perfect. And we all know that's a lie because no Christian is perfect. And then so I've got then, so if that's the, um, if that's the biggest lie, I'm going to quickly share us the second biggest lie in church. And that is this. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Ooh. Now, I'm going to be brutal here, but hopefully you don't take offense to this. That, that is the dumbest thing a Christian could ever say. And so you don't need to go to church to believe in God. Yes, that's true. You don't have to go to church to believe in God. Yes, you can believe in God and not go to church. But you can't, go to church, um, you can't not go to church and believe. Um, or, uh, sorry, and you, can, you don't need to go to church to have salvation. We can be saved and not go to church. But you can't call yourself a Christian, so that's being Christ-like and not go to church. Because if we're going to be Christ-like, we've got to be in community because we're made in his image, right? And so, um, uh, and so one of the biggest reasons why people leave church, you'll find if you say, hey, why are you not going to church? Um, one of the top, I'd say, 50% chance the least you'd get is that they'd said, I've been offended or I've, they've taken offence at something. That's the biggest reason why people leave church. And so that's why I think this thing of unoffendable is such a huge key for us to talk about this morning. And, it's, and, I'll, and I'll just quickly read, I'll go away from my notes here, is that I think this is a principle in a thing that church doesn't talk about much. We can assume it a lot, but we shouldn't assume anything, and we've got to be able to talk about stuff like this openly and be able to grow and, and see, see it happening. So um, One Heart Church isn't the only church. We're part of the ACC denomination, and the ACC isn't the only church. Um, and the ACC is in the Pentecostal movement. Pentecostals aren't the only church. And so um, uh, we, we believe here at One Heart, every church is church. Uh, um, we love it here. We hope you love it here. But there's other churches that are, are, are on the same team. We're not fighting each other. And, so, and because of that, Pastor Rob has often said this, our senior pastor, if you're not happy at the church you're in, 
find a church you will be happy in. Be fully committed and connected. Life is too short to waste your time being cynical and lazy. And so if you're in a church where you're not connected, you're just there complaining and, ugh, what was this happening? We've got to go, you know what? No, because life is too short to waste your time. We've got to be connected. We've got to be Christ-like. We've got to be like Jesus in community and living to the best. And so if this church isn't for you, go, go move town. Move to America if you can find a church there. Because honestly, life is too short to waste your time to not be like God. And, but, then, um, but with that, I, w- I won't say this because we, we want you here. We love you. One Heart Church is the best church. But and, um, unfortunately, Unfortunately, what we'll find is that the most people that get offended in a church, and you'll see them, they're jumping here, they'll grow a beard, jump to the next church, get plastic surgery and shop to the next one. What you'll find is they're never satisfied, and the church ain't the problem. The global church isn't the problem. You'll find they're the problem. And so, um, uh, yeah, so I don't want to offend anyone, but if, you, if that's you, I just encourage you to, we'll, we'll go through this message today, and hopefully you can we can see that change. But Psalms 119 to 165, um, is that going to be on the screen? Yep. And so uh, this is, for me, one of the, this Bible verse has been really challenging me lately. So we'll firstly, we'll read it in the New Living Translation. It says this, Those who love your instruction, so God's, have great peace and do not stumble. And we'll just read it in the King James Version and this gives us a bit more. Uh, great peace have they which love thy, so God's, law. And nothing shall offend them. That's awesome. So if we were to kind of merge them together, those who love the Bible have great peace and nothing shall offend them. And so if we're taking notes, um, there's three points we're going to look at here. Peace, Bible, and offense. Peace, Bible, and offense. Say that. Peace, Bible, and offense. And so peace, we'll start with that. Uh, what we read at the start in Colossians, hopefully you remember this, we read this in Colossians 3.15, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as, one, as, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. And so question, do you have great peace? And the second question is, what is great peace? And so I believe the truest peace we can have in our life is, is got to do with our identity and our secureness in our identity and the confidence we have in who Josh is, who Pastor Kyle is, who Leanna is, whoever, who else, our peace will come from, who what our identity is in ourselves. And so I believe, as it's talked about there, um, that the peace of Christ will rule in your hearts. And I believe uh, your truest identity is found in Jesus and what Jesus does within your life. For example, when our identity is found in our job, our relationship, our car, the color of our skin, the, the shape of our eye, um, the rank on battlefield, whatever it could be, whatever we might say, that's my identity. When that thing's gone, destroyed, whatever, broken, we're broken, we're crushed, and we don't have peace. But when we go, you know what, our identity is not found in those things. They're a part of me, but they are not who define me. When my definition comes through what Christ says about me, what Christ says in my heart, then we'll, we'll have great peace. Because it doesn't matter about any of those things. Those things are cool, those things do, ma- do matter, but they, don't, they are not what counts our identity. Um, and so then number two, which goes, we'll go to that, God. And so love God's word. And so that's a big thing. We've got to love God's word. And so in the New Living Translation, it talks about instructions. And so there's an acronym for the Bible. It says basic instructions before leaving earth. I don't know if you've heard that one before. But I believe when we're in a relationship with God, we're regularly reading this book or your book, whichever Bible you have. I believe God will speak to you and give you peace because he's revealing himself to you through it. And so uh, uh, 
And, then, and again, that's why we have preaching in church. We have, we have speaking and preaching in church because we believe God can speak through people. God can uh, do works in their hearts. And then from that, we go to the next one, offense. And so the, the New Living Translation talked about stumbling. And so I believe if we created for community, for us to stumble or would mean that we had a defense which made us leave church. And so, um, uh, and so uh, yeah, so we don't want to be stumbling, leaving church because of offense. And so I believe that we can have that one if you're to stumble, if you're having an offense and leave church, it's because of a lack of the one and two of the peace and God. And so, for example, so if you're not in the word, you aren't going to have peace in your heart because you you're not hearing God's identity within your soul. Um, you won't be secure or confident. In your, it just won't happen. But if you're secure in your identity, um, uh, so, and, then, and if you're, then if you're not secure in your identity, you're easily offended because you're like, oh, geez, that person's calling me or I can't live up to that. And you'll be, you're getting offences everywhere because you don't have that identity of, of who you are. And, the, and, and you've got to be, not be prideful about how good I am, but you've got to have a bit of a um, security base. You know what? I am cool. I am good. I don't have to worry about anybody else. And so uh, if you're taking notes, write this down. Celebration, not competition. Celebration, not competition. All right. And so I'm just going to talk... Um, Two, I'm going to say two, going to use those patterns of those three things again. Let's see how this goes. When we are connected with God, we have great peace and confidence in our identity. Nothing will offend us. Uh, we celebrate and we will celebrate with people. When we are disconnected with God, we have no peace, no confidence in our identity. Everything offends us and we compete with people. All right? And so now we're just going to go, if you've got your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 20. And we're going to look at verses 1 to 15. And so uh, I'll get that in mind and we'll read that out. Who's ready to hear what God's got to say through Matthew chapter 20? So the parable of the vineyard workers. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers from his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage. That's pretty good. And set them out to work. At 9 o'clock in the morning, he was passing through a marketplace and saw some uh, some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. So he went and hired people again. At, four, at five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in, the vi in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foremen to call all the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. With those hired at five o'clock were paid. Each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed, don't assume, they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. These people worked only one hour, yet have been paid. Um, yet you've paid them as much as you paid us, who work all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, "Friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work a, all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I want. I wanted to pay the, this last worker the same as you. It is. Um, it is against the law for me to do what I." Want with my? Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? And I just want to just remember that one. Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? 
And so with this parable, I think, is a very interesting one. Jesus is a very good teacher. And so obviously a parable is not a true story. It's just an illustration that Jesus used. And I, be- I believe what I see in that parable is a representation of what salvation is. And so, for example, I could be saved from I was born or something and live all my life serving Jesus. And then someone else could be on their deathbed and, ha- and then have salvation. And it, we, we can kind of go, that's unfair. We have the same... Um, like we could have this justification oh that's so unfair why do they get the same salvation as us and get to have eternal life when they've done nothing with their life in the last minute but it, when we see there it, it's not if we have the, the spirit within us that goes oh it's a competition it will be unfair but we've got to have the spirit of it it's a celebration and go you know what it, we, we were paid fair we agreed to work for the full day's wage. This really shows how generous God is. This really shows how generous God is to people. And so we've got to have a spirit within us. We go, you know what? Our identity is secure in Christ. We're in the Bible. We're hearing what he's saying to me. And then from that, I have peace. And from that, I go, you know what? I'm going to celebrate with these people. I'm going to celebrate when that person's on their deathbed and has salvation because how generous God is, how good God is. He loves people enough to um, uh, give them what they, we would say, technically don't deserve, but they do deserve it, right? And so, um, when, so when we work, yeah, and so that's where that Psalms 119, 165 is so important because we go, you know what? We've got to have peace, we've got to love God's word, and we've got to um, uh, then be unoffendable so we can celebrate, not compete. And so then, as it said there, um, should you be jealous because I am kind to others? I want us to look at Numbers 11, 24, 29. And there's another, it's very similar to that. And so this is with Moses and Joshua. And this is a real story of real people like that situation. It says this. So Moses went out and reported the Lord's word to the people. He gathered the 70 elders and stationed them around the tabernacle. Now a tabernacle is kind of like a tent, um, kind of like a church building back for their day, but it's a lot different, but similar. And so, uh, uh, and the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to Moses, and he gave the 70 elders the same spirit that was upon Moses. When the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied, but this never happened again. Two men, Eldad, say Eldad, and Medad, say Medad, had stayed behind in the camp, naughty boys. They were listed among the elders, but they had not gone to the tabernacle. Yet the, the spirit rested upon them as well. So they prophesied there in the camp. A young man ran and reported to Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' assistant since his youth, protested, Moses, my master, make them stop. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people could, were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. And so um, I'm just going to do a quick illustration for us with this. And so we saw there Joshua was, uh, was offended for Moses' sake. So no, jealous for Moses' sake. And I believe often we can get offended for other people. Now one time, so my parents were youth pastors. And uh, when I was a young kid, so this height, probably I don't know what age that is, but I was young. And so my dad was at this youth rally called Planet Shakers in Adelaide at the now influences paradise but and so he, sit, he stood on this chair like this because he had his youth coming in from the door and so he's like oh yeah we're over here and then one of the hosts ushered people like oh get off that seat and I got sad for my dad's sake and started crying I was a little softy and I was like oh how damn my dad got in trouble how could he be such a thick head to stand on a, a seat like that and get get in trouble and so I got I got I was sad for my dad's sake and I believe that so often in life we can get offended for someone else's sake we can get offended what happened to someone else it's like 
Why are, you, why are you worry about that? Joshua, why are you, like in the Bible, why are you jealous because of Moses' sake? And, and it said that he, Moses wished everyone could be, have the Spirit rest upon him. And, and so then, um, again, the Bible is so full of things of offense. And then if you look at Luke uh, 9, 49 to 50, uh, so really short one. And then if you open up your Bible to Luke chapter 9, we'll look at a few things from there. But this is what it says. Um, so John, one of Jesus' disciples, um, said to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he isn't in our group. That's so mean. But Jesus said, don't stop him. Anyone who's not against you is for you. And again, we see there John was jealous in a, sake, in a sense for Moses, uh, for Jesus, sorry, going, um, they shouldn't be using uh, your name to to pray for people and heal demons. But it's like Jesus going, you've, you've, you missed the point here. It's not about having a, being offended and going, this isn't for you. Jesus wishes that everyone, if they're not against you, they're for us. Other churches aren't against us, they're for us. And so we've got to have that um, uh, thing working within us. And so then uh, we'll look at the next part in that. So the next verse there in Luke 9, 49, and we're going to go to verse 55. It says this, John said to Jesus, Master, uh, we saw, oh, no, sorry, 51, yep, uh, as the time grew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messages ahead to Samaria, uh, sorry, to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? Now, context of that is in 2 Kings 1, if you want to look at that in the, in the future. But it's, yeah, so he, and then, but the... Uh, when James yet saw this, say, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked rebuke them. And then in the New King James Version, as is, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. When the Amplified says, you do not know what kind of spirit you are of. And so uh, I, want, we're gonna, I want you to write that down if you're taking notes. What kind of spirit are you of? Or what kind of spirit am I of? And so we, we can see there, we have these, we got these two things. Do we compete or do we uh, celebrate with people? I think it's a, uh, it's quite, for me, it's been something that's been challenging me a lot. Again, going, because we can easily take offense, get offended, and, and go, this is, un they should not be doing this. But we've got to go, you know what, Josh? It's not a competition with them. Like for um, Moses, it's not a competition with those, uh, those, uh, those two elders that missed out. They're all together. It's not a competition with uh, John, uh, uh, like John and those other people using Jesus' name. It's not a competition. We've got to celebrate with them. How awesome is that that they, we saw a demon being cast out? How awesome. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I want us to, well, that's a question for us. What manner of spirit are we of? And then uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says this. Even to have a lawsuit with another believer is a de defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not l let yourselves be cheated? And so what that was talking now, hopefully, and I don't think we've had in our church, people going to lawsuits with each other, going to court saying, this person in the church is crazy. But then in the Message Bible, because um, that's what this is talking about, and then in the Message Bible, the same verse, it says this. These court cases are an ugly blot in your community. Wouldn't it be far better to just take it, let your yourselves be wronged and forget it? And so I think so often in life we can be um, we can get these offences come into us and that people can offend us, but we've got to make allowances for each other's mistakes and go. You know what? That does ooh, that does not matter. Um, we, and we've got to be able to let it go and go. Wouldn't it be far better to just forget it and leave it at that? And so I know for you, when things do do something wrong by me, when someone is rude to me, my first initial thought isn't 
just forget it. It's okay. My thing is, go, all right, I'll talk to them really like that back. Or whatever it could be. Oh, they, they nudge me. I'm going to nudge them twice as good. But I've got to develop a spirit within me. He goes, you know what? What manner of spirit am I? Am I the one that says, it's, yeah, pay them back? Or my spirit you know what? It doesn't matter. For the sake of love, for the sake of unity in one heart, it does not matter. And so this is where, this is where it hits the road. Proverbs 14.4. Without an oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a large ox for a large harvest. And so what that's talking about, the ox kind of represents the church. And so if you have an ox, they got poo, they got stink, they got mess, they got problems. And I think in church, often there's stink, not poo, but there might be verbal poo or something, I don't know. But there's going to be problems. People, when there's people, there's problems. And when there's more people, there's more problems. And when there's big people, there's big problems. But um, I believe uh, I believe that we got to, and then so this is a quote, we read, we encourage you to get the word for the t- uh, the word for today's. And um, one few months ago, I was talking about keeping your anger in check. And this is a line from that. When you view someone in context of their best qualities rather than their worst ones, you usually respond different. And so, for example, if we look at the ox, and we see that, well, what are the, what are the two things there? It, it harvests for us. It does all its work. What are the negatives? Well, it poos and makes a mess. And with the church, well, what are the good things about church? There's a heap of things. We, we represent God. We look like Jesus. We're in community. Um, we, there's people get saved. We, there's so many cool things that happen in church. But what are we looking at? Are we looking at the, the, like the ox, the church? Are we looking at the harvest? Are we looking at the poo and the stink and the mess? But when we focus on the good things, because I believe the good of the ox far outweighs the, the, the bit, my, my like really small bit of stink and poo. And I believe that same with the church. I believe the, the greater things in church far outweigh this, the, the problems. But unfortunately, people let that little problem be something that draws them out of the church. And that's pretty sad. And so, uh, uh, and so yeah, and if we need, and so I'll say this. Um, uh, there is going to be stink, mess, and offenses, but we need to be a large, relevant church of mature believers who love our community. And so we're going to make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends us. And so I'll, I'll, I'll finish on this last point. We got here, uh, I got offendable equals unusable, and unoffendable equals usable. And so I believe when you have an um, offendable spirit, you're unusable because you disconnect yourself and you're just wasting your life. But when you go, you know what? I choose to have a spirit of unoffendableness. I, I choose to have a, a spirit where I celebrate with people and not compete with people because that's what it's about, that then God will use us and do crazy things. Now, what we're going to do right now is we're just going to sing a song. Right, so if we can all stand up, the lights will be dimmed. And I don't know what, uh, and I want you to think about this as we sing this song. What manner of spirit am I of? What are the, what's in my heart? What are, Do I choose to make allowances for each other's mistakes? Do I forgi- uh, forgive anyone who offends me? Or am I, am I too busy insecure myself offending people? And so I just believe just, just one touch from Jesus in this, this morning, we can have those offenses. We can have those things that have been controlling our lives gone. They can be just like a mountain can be moved away. I believe these huge things that can cause us to disconnect ourselves from church can be gone in a moment. And so we're just going to sing that and that will be awesome.